Step Into My Office is a podcast filled with real conversations and interviews about entrepreneurship, hosted by the founders of 135 Agency and built with black women in mind. If you like us, leave us a review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Now let's start the show. Hey, Shantae. Hey, Sap. I am, again, very excited about today's conversation. Um, This type of topic uh, gets me all hyped. Okay, let's go. So today we are talking about changing your money mindset, which for any of you guys out there who are entrepreneurs, get your pen and paper, take some notes, because this right here is very important. Uh, we all talking about how you need to think differently about your finances as an entrepreneur. Also deciding on which business expenses you really need. Like, for example, I've always wanted that $100,000 Range Rover, but there was never <laughs> a good time to take that money away from someplace else. <laughs> and managing your daily budget for your business and your personal life. So that's what we'll be digging into, and let's get it started. So today's guest is Jennifer Streaks. Uh, We recently spoke with her. She's a financial journalist and author. She started in the banking industry and is now a contributor to CNBC, MSNBC, and Cheddar. She has a law degree from Howard University and an MBA from Johns Hopkins. So let's listen to our interview with Jennifer Streaks. Jennifer, how are you today? I'm great. How are you all doing? We're, We're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with um, one of the things that we hear all the time. When do you know it's the right time to start a business? You know, do you have to have a certain amount of savings? Is there a threshold? Is there a certain number? Like, okay, when you get this much money, then you can start your business. I think the best time to start a business, A, is when you want to, but also mm-hmm. B, when you are financially sound. Now, it depends on your bills. If you have a mortgage or a high rent, if you have car notes, if you have credit cards, maybe it's better to start a side hustle as opposed to an actual business where you leave your nine to five. Because, you know, the ramp up for a business is going to take a while, and especially to show a profit. You don't want to move on from your nine to five so quickly, even if you have that one client or you feel like you've gotten, you know, five months, of expenses in the bank, anything can happen. And so you need to make sure that you've started actually seeing checks come from the invoices and you know that you're going to have regular income that covers your bills and also leave some profit from this business before you walk away from your nine to five. One of the things that I would love for our listeners to benefit from is an evolved perspective on debt. Um, can you speak to that? Because I know when we first started this business, debt, especially in the black community, is something that's like garlic to a vampire. It's like, oh, my God, get that out of here. I don't mess with that thing. It feels it has a negative connotation. But as I matured and evolved as a business owner over the years and went to conferences that weren't that were outside of my community, that is celebrated. It's part of a true strategy for business growth. So can you speak to that? Because I feel like in our community, we have to break the um, the uh, fear about debt and, and, and in order to build bigger, bigger, bigger businesses. Correct, because there's good debt and there's bad debt. The reason why there's fear in our community about debt is because so many of us are in what I call bad debt. We are overextended on credit cards. We have really high, you know, car payments. You know, we have high interest rates on personal loans, things of that nature, things that are just bills to pay out, but that doesn't really bring you anything. But there's good debt. 
there's good debt from, you know, starting a business. You may have accounts payable, but you know that that is because you are working on building your business. If you need to take out a loan to get started for that, that's a good debt. And in other communities, that's mm-hmm. how they see it. They use money. Money is a tool. So they, they and that's how they use it. They use money to get something. And so that's why in other communities, they may have debt. Mm-hmm. Number one, it's controlled. They're aware of it. They're not running away from it. It's part of, like you said, a business strategy, and it's going to get them further on their business path. So that's good debt, and there's nothing wrong with that. But stay away from, especially if you are trying to build a business, stay away from bad debt, just having a bunch of, you know, credit card debt, having a really high car note, having a bunch of personal loans and things of that nature. That's bad debt. So one of the things um, that people, entrepreneurs kind of struggle with as well in terms of the early phase is funding just in general. So if we're in debt, Mm -hmm. we have personal debt and we know we need some kind of funds to start a business, Mm -hmm. um, you know, where do we go? Uh, There's this perception that the banks won't loan to black people and... It's not that banks won't loan to black people. It's that banks won't loan to businesses that haven't had a track record for a certain period of time because you need to be able to show a profit. They want to invest in something where they they feel comfortable they're going to get their money back. And so if this is your first six months and you don't have enough of a track record yet, you don't have, you know, four or five clients, you don't have a high enough level of accounts receivable yet, they're not going to lend to you. Now, a lot of people have started businesses on credit cards, on loans from parents, on, you know, a personal loan. But it's like I said, and we that goes back to the conversation we just had about debt and how you use money as a tool and being aware of the debt that you have so that it's controlled. Thank you about that. Uh, when, you know, what what is the right and wrong way to ask for money from family members or friends? Because that can get into a really mm-hmm. sticky situation in the long run, if you, uh, you know, what, if you don't put parameters around it, like what, what do you suggest about that? Because a lot of times our family and friends are our closest people around us that could possibly be a source of funding. Well, I think that the first thing is don't lend anything you can't afford to lose. Don't lend someone money. And then two weeks later, you're beating them up about it (laughs) because they may not have it. They may have the best of intentions, but something happened and they don't, they don't have it. And don't think if someone comes to you and says on the 15th, okay, I'm going to, you know, I need a thousand dollars. Don't think on the 30th that you're going to get that thousand dollars back. Cause if it was going to be that quick and easy, they wouldn't have needed the thousand dollars to begin with. You understand what I'm saying? It's better if you want to work out some sort of parameters to put people on a payment plan Um, To say, you know, and have a face-to-face conversation where you say, look, I need this money back. I'm taking a chance. I'm investing in you. You say you want to do this or you need this, but I, I need this money back. But at the same time, don't do anything that makes you financially uncomfortable. If someone comes to you and they say, you know, I really want to start my business. This is the time. I've got one client, but we need, you know, whatever and to really get things going, we're going to need $10,000. If you can't afford that, say, you know what, I want to help you. I see you've been hustling, you've been grinding, so I know this is going towards your business, but I can't give you $10,000 because I can't, if anything happens, that's going to put me in a financial bind. 
I can give you $3,000 and, you know, you keep scrounging around for the rest, you know, and, and that's it. Because if I can, if I'm saying to myself, you know what, I can give her this person $3,000 and if I don't see it in six months, if I don't get it back until next year, I'm okay. But if I give her $10,000 and, you know, 60 days later, I'm looking, looking around like a wild woman for that money, then I put myself in a bad situation. And uh, to our listeners, what Jennifer just dropped was some gems on anybody who's out there interested in investing in other businesses. Um, and for the flip side, let's just talk about you, those of you who are going to be out there um, propositioning your friends and family for money. Mm-hmm. A, a couple things you should definitely keep in mind is it's great to be bold and audacious and be a dreamer and have, you know, big things that you want to accomplish. But it's also important to be realistic. So don't you be the person on the opposite side of that conversation who, when the person mm-hmm. says, I really can't afford to give you $10,000, don't try to upsell and be really aggressive about mm-hmm. overpromising things you know you can't do. If you know that you have to borrow $10,000 because you can't raise it on your own, that means the mm-hmm. likelihood you'll pay it back in mm-hmm. a month, two months, even six months right. is low. So you have to Correct. make sure you're realistic as well to not burn your relationships. So, Jennifer, when you let's say you are the person who has approached friends, family and or a possible uh, investor, angel investor on mm-hmm. on getting some some money. Um, what is the right way to calculate um, a good time frame for when you can give the money back? Because one of the things that we usually joke about over here is it seems like when you read some of the stories in Business Insider and places where uh, there's a a 27 year old out in Silicon Valley who is $8 billion in debt on his new, you know, tech innovation that he can still go and raise money in round 15 while there's somebody in on, on 125th street in Harlem who in order to get $50,000 from the bank, they're going to turn them inside out, turn them upside down, shake their pockets, mm-hmm. make the whole family co-sign for that $50,000. Cause the bank wants to know they're going to get their money back before they've even given it to you. How uh-huh. how do we put ourselves in a better position to go and ask for money? Because, you know, that's one of the problems with African-American ownership in our communities is a lack of resources to start the company. But when it's $50,000 is difficult to get, it's like, you know, that can be spent very quickly. It's frustrating. But, you know, the person that's over in Silicon Valley, they have contacts and connections that the person in Harlem does not have. Mm-hmm. The person in Silicon Valley is not going to the bank. They're not going to Bank of America. They're not going to the credit union. Mm-hmm. They're going to a small group of investors or somebody that he, he or she has gotten on the phone with someone that they know from college or MBA school. And they're like, you know, I have this idea and, you know, I want to, you know, anyone who want to invest and they got two or three investors together really quickly and they get this money. I think that we have to position ourselves better by having good credit. Mm-hmm by having um, longer track records in terms of our business. When you go to ask for money or get that loan, you have, you know, three or four clients already that you're doing good work for, that you've received substantial payments from that uh, can give you good references and recommendations for your work as well so that it's out of the this is what I think stage. And also a lot of times when we don't, when we ask for money, whether it's friends, family, we don't have paperwork 
you know, where is your paperwork? Where is your dossier on your business? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and I'm not saying something that you wrote down. I mean, it takes mm-hmm. your business plan. And this is an investment. Oftentimes, a business plan is an investment in and of itself to really yes. get it well done, the numbers correct, make it look like something, to make someone want to invest in you and to see that you're going to put the work in too. You have to have some get in, get in the game as well. Absolutely. You've said in you know several interviews that you feel like entrepreneurs rack up debt too quickly. What are some mm. necessary versus unnecessary purchases um, you know, for an entrepreneur? I know it's specific to the business, but for example, um, early on in 135th, we felt a lot of pressure to have an office and we're based in uh-huh. New York and Atlanta uh-huh. and it's just really expensive, you know, as a business, a service-based business to put all that overhead out the gate on us, you know, and still try to, you know, sell our services. And so we've been very fluid as the marketing industry has about office space and, you know, hiring employees versus contractors and all of that. What is a necessary versus unnecessary purchase for a first time business owner? Necessary uh, expenses are going to be, like I said, really getting together your business plan, your dossier, your paperwork, making sure that everything is fluid and um, just looks great, sounds great from start to finish, your website, um, anything that you're handing to a potential client, all of that needs to be top shelf. Also, if you need to hire short-term an accountant of some sort to set up how you're going to pay bills, accounts receivable, accounts payable, how taxes are going to be, business taxes and things like that, that's a necessary expense. What is unnecessary is office space. I mean, when you can get a WeWork, when you can go and get those temporary offices, if you have a meeting that day, you can call them and get on the the, the, uh, schedule for that day to come in and use the space for an hour. I would never sign a lease for an office space at all because you don't know how long you're going to be in business. You can start off. And people start off in their garages, in their bedrooms, in the library, at Starbucks. That is unnecessary expense, and that will sink you because that's an immediate expense, too. And you can't, you can't get away from it. Like, you can say, okay, we need a tax person to come in here and help us with our first year of taxes. We've been in business for a year. We want to make sure we start off on the right foot. We're going to bring a tax person in. But that's okay. So you can do that February, March. That's controlled, and you know that that's coming up. You can budget for that. But an office space, that's every month, no matter what. Yeah, it never ends. So uh, one of the things that I I definitely um, love about what you just said was, you know, um, when you think that entrepreneurs overpay for certain things, that is so important Uh because one of the questions we always get out there is about, you know, raising money, finances. And then when I ask uh, a lot of the girls that are in the audience what a P&L is, no one ever knows what that is. And it's uh-huh. like your Bible when you own your business, because that's what's going to keep you from spending more than you make. I literally keep mine on my desk, like looking at it constantly. I know I'm, uh, you know, obsessing, but, you know, you have to make sure that every single cent that you spend, you can afford. 
And that's important because when you are managing your client's money as well, if you have uh, clients that, that actually trust you to manage their money on a campaign or whatever kind of service you provide, it's important that you're managing their money as well as well on a, a creative campaign. For those people who may not, um, who may be intimidated by numbers and money, like, you know, is there a quick app or a quick way that they can keep a P&L chart handy so that they know that they're not diving into the deep end of the pool without a, a um, without a um, plan? Yeah. See, this is what I'm saying when I say you can easily engage someone really quick because everyone doesn't have that knowledge off the top of their head. So you can bring someone in to install that software on your computer or however it is that you are doing your accounts payable, accounts receivable. ADP, Quicken, all of those uh, softwares have that sort of information. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with taking a quick intro business class either. I mean, this is how you invest in yourself and in your business. And that's something that I would even put in my business plan, in my dossier, that I took this class because I want to make sure that I'm on top of the money that's being spent, that I'm able to spend my client's money well, too. And that that's something that's impressive. So it's not that it shouldn't be daunting to anyone because there are ways to get at that, to take care of that. Yeah. Jennifer, what does it mean to think wealthy? You talk about that. And, and what is that? Don't think from a position of lack. When you are constantly, you know, oh, I need this, I need this, I need that, you're putting it out there and you don't have it. So you think, you should be thinking 10 steps ahead. This doesn't mean you're spending 10 steps ahead, but you are thinking 10 steps ahead. Like, I am going to get this client. This is what we're going to do. This is going to go well. I'm going to operate in a way that I know that this is going to be successful, that this is going to come to fruition. So you're always thinking positive. You're always thinking, like you said, think wealthy. And you'd be surprised, just that mindset, how it changes things. I mean, it just buoys your spirit and it makes you work harder because you're no longer thinking from a, or operating from a position of lack. Wow. And, and you know, we that that's also a very, you know, it's very encouraging. It's a positive mm-hmm. glass half full way to approach it because, you know, when you're starting out in the early stages, you know, there's a lot of lack, but, uh-huh, you know, you have uh-huh. to just as much as you believe in the service that you are providing, you have to believe that, you know, there is success in your future, that you will attain the that's things right. that you need to have. So, wow, that is that's that's really powerful. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today on Step Into My Office. We really appreciate having somebody of your caliber and expertise on our show. Um, Is there any last, you know, tips that you want to give our listeners? You know, I'm sitting here thinking and I'm thinking that a membership with the National Association of Black MBAs is not a bad idea. When you want to network, I think that with us, we don't have enough contacts and connections, which is sometimes why we find ourselves sort of scrounging around for things. But that's such a great organization in terms of, you know, financial, money, any sort of ideas that you have. You go to a couple of those meetings, um, establish yourself, network. Those are going to be the people that can tell you, okay, well, this person is investing in X, Y, and Z, or there's an investor's meeting about X, Y, and Z next month. Or this person is really good for setting up, uh, you know, money software, accounts payable software. Or this person is really great for taxes. They're going to have small business entrepreneurship 
classes and seminars as well. So we should also be taking advantage of memberships with various organizations that can help you with uh, business goals and questions as well. Wonderful. And where can people mm-hmm. contact you? I am on Twitter at jstreaks. My website is www.jenniferstreaks.com. Facebook is Jennifer Streaks, and Instagram is jstreaks, too. So everything is Jennifer Streaks. <laughs> Thanks, Jennifer, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So that was pretty interesting. It's, you know, money and entrepreneurship is goes hand in hand. You can't really do one without the other. And I know we've had a lot of, um, we've had some successes and some, some failures in that. I know um, when we started out 135th, we didn't start with any kind of trust fund or anything. We actually personally funded um, it with our own resources, meaning we um, started bootstrapping. Yeah, bootstrapping. We had our own personal savings and funds to help pay our own um, expenses, rent and all of that to to help us continue to contribute and and build the business. Um, I know that we, you know, that was definitely not an easy process and it also took a leap of faith, but that was the, the, the one thing that we, that helped us start everything. I thought all the information she gave was, was very helpful. I mean, you know, the bottom line is that finances is very much a choice. Um, and, you know, for a lot of us in our community, you know, we are not taught the key lessons of financial literacy. We almost buy into the stereotypes like about black people not having good credit and that kind of thing. And some people find that funny and actually, you know, lean into it and think it's, you know, a game. But the bottom line is when you start a business, things like not having good credit, those really matter. And it's really not that hard to keep good credit. Um, so I think that, you know, making sure you, you're making wise decisions that you keep up with you, you read your mail, which for a long time, I'm going to tell you, I was like, when I see the mailman coming, I'm like, please skip this house. I don't want to see you no time soon. Um, but, you know, reading your mail and, 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 and knowing what's going on in your accounts and setting up automatic payments whenever possible and checking your credit several times a year, download the Experian app. That's what I have. And I get the alerts every time there's any kind of little small change made. Also making sure that you learn how to borrow money because that is going to be what helps you to build up your credit. Um, making sure that even though something is haunting you and talking to you and it's in your dreams, like my $100,000 Navy blue Range Rover, um, (laughs) it still isn't here yet because, um, there was always a choice to be made. Right. Even when it was, you know, very much a reality. And I was like, oh man, I could do this today. It was not an option because I was like, yeah, build my business or go ride around in a Range Rover or in New York City streets where you can't park and you really get torn up with potholes and everything else. It just never made sense. So I think that, you know, just listen to what she's saying about the fact that finance is very much about choices. Yeah. And I I think it's interesting to kind of, I mean, she talked about having a plan and I mean, when you start a business, you have to have a business plan or you should have a business plan. I know some people don't do it, but it really is a roadmap and it kind of forces you to make projections and to see what are the things, the materials, the resources that I need to run this business. And even though we, I mean, sometimes over time, everything didn't always go as planned. We at least were able to make 
uh, decisions based on what we had and within our means. You know, we weren't able to, uh, you know, sustain a New York uh, office space rent for, for a while, for long. So we leveraged our relationships and got space at the Atlantic Records building because we were a client and it was a barter situation or we did several of those arrangements and, you, you know, sort of in-kind rent arrangements with some of our clients and um, like in Atlanta with, with Mona Jermaine, Scott Young. Yeah, it, it, Jermaine Dupri at So So Deaf and then with Mona Scott Young in New York. So that was a way for us to, um, you know, save a ton of money on an overhead and still maintain a relationship that was actually beneficial. So, you know, in reality, I think if you're not a finance person, when you think about starting your business, you're only thinking about the glory. You're only thinking about how great your service is going to be, you know, how, you know, the impact that you're going to make, how you're going to expand. But you really don't think about like, yo, like I, I actually need to pay the lights. I, I who's going to, you know, I, I have printing materials um, that need to be made. I, I need laptops. I need cell phone. I need internet connection. So I need people. I need people. So the planning aspect of it helps kind of like, I wouldn't say burst the bubble, but kind of sobers you up and brings you to back to reality. I will say if we had the resources um, early on, in addition to maybe getting like the, you know, the assistant or whatever, you know, the small staff that we had, I would want to have a like a person that would serve as a CFO, basically, mm -hmm. uh, not something full time that we could, um, you know, that we would be able to afford, but somebody that could really have our back when it came to tax planning and just the financial vision. Uh, maybe that person could also help us build our relationships with banks because we got some bad tax advice that kind of set our personal taxes back you know, for a few years and, and we ended up paying more taxes than we needed to. And we just didn't know. I mean, I'm not a finance person. Shantae's not a finance person. So we didn't know, but you know, in hindsight, somebody that is more than just, you know, a tax preparer, but somebody that actually specializes in financial planning for small businesses would have been a great person to have on the team because they could have at least uh, helped us navigate. Even if, it, if we wanted to at that time ever say, hey, we want to be bought. We want to eventually sell this business. They could help us in the early stages prepare ourselves and let us know these are the things you're going to have to do to become attractive to be bought. So you know, it's just interesting. Hindsight is always twenty twenty. Definitely. I think that because we always attack each thing from a, in my opinion, the smartest possible angle, I think that it, the best thing we've ever done that would allow us to actually last this long is that we don't make frivolous purchases. Like we don't purchase something and then say, damn, why did I buy that car? Or why did I buy that thing? However, we will purchase for an experience. I think it's incredibly important that you understand that entrepreneurship is going to deplete you in every possible way. And that it's important that you get a chance to go and see the world, go on vacation. Uh, you will not be able to do a five-star, you know, resort, but you will be able to, you know, pick a good place, a, a beautiful Airbnb, or, you know, it might not be the Ritz-Carlton, 
or the four seasons, but it'll be, you know, something that's really beautiful where you'll still have a good experience and getting out is really important because I think the only way we lasted this long is that we, we definitely prioritize taking a break a couple times a year. And that doesn't mean a break where you never look at your clients for that whole entire time. There's been plenty of times where we've been on the beach taking calls. Yeah. Please know that. Yeah. <laughs> like that's just part of it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you, you have to, you have to balance it out. So whereas if you as an owner aren't able to pay yourself top dollar, like what you would get if you were at a, a company, you know, you can look at maybe some of the flexibility in your schedule as, as sort of your, your compensation and also just the ability to be able to, you know, go on trips and have, you know, some, you know, special me time, self-care time. So, you know, the, some of those resources, if, if that is what is going to keep, you know, to sustain you, keep your morale up, you can always think about, you know, the return, um, you know, your personal return in entrepreneurship as, you know, being able to take a vacation and building that in um, to, you know, the, the, the business or building that into your, you know, compensation or, or profits or, or, or whatnot. I also think about something, you know, that she said made me think about like how, like when you're preparing for um, entrepreneurship, it is ideal to have your own savings or some, or your own resources because it takes a minute for you to be able for your business to turn a profit. You may even have to forego your own salary or any compensation whatsoever in the initial years so that you can pay someone else. And I think a lot of people don't realize that either, that you know, you may not be able to draw a salary, but in order to keep that business going and those clients there, you 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 need to be able to be prepared. When you're at the point where you have to hire a staff um, then that means that your business is building and you can not, you can no longer satisfy the demand with just your initial resources, but you still have to be prepared for that. So that was something that, you know, we fortunately had our own savings and things like that to, to help get us through, but there were some cold winters and some cold Christmases and, you know, we, we, we just had to kind of deal with it. So kind of realizing that will help also, you sort of set their expectations financially about the way forward as you're growing your business. Okay, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back for our Black Girl Boss moment. Hey, you. Love stepping to my office? Subscribe now and leave us a review. Got a business question for Shantae or Saptosa? Use hashtag step into my office. That's hashtag step into my office. And if you have video or podcast production needs, visit verse2media.com. That's verse, T-W-O, media.com. Now back to step into my office. So for today's Black Girl Boss Moment, we are spotlighting Melody Hobson. Love her. Melody is president of Ariel Investments, a Chicago-based money management firm. She was raised by her single mother who fixed up old homes and rented them out. Melody says her mother didn't have the heart to evict those who were late on rent. Her ultimate lifetime goal is to make the stock market the regular talk of dinner table conversation in black families. Wow. She's also a board member for Estee Lauder, Starbucks, and DreamWorks Animation, and she's a contributor to CBS News. Now, Melody Hobson is near and dear to Shantae and I's our hearts Definitely. because years ago when we were starting out, 
um, within like maybe the first three to five years of our business, she we reached out to her. We met her at a business conference or something like that. And, you know, being the, you know, assertive networker that Shantae is, she somehow got her info. And next thing you know, we're on a phone uh, with Melody Hobson. This was when she was still in Chicago at REL Investments. And it was pretty amazing. I think we had like, what, 30 minutes on the phone with her? Yeah, we, we did several um, phone she was calls. Very... I think we did at least two or three calls. And I met with her for 30 minutes at the St. Regis here in New York. And let me tell you, she's always been a big deal. Like, she's never not been a star to us. And, you know, obviously, since, you know, that time, her star has risen. You know, she has, you know, um, achieved many things. She's married to George Lucas and all of that. And she's one of the smartest women in business, period. So we really salute her and we thank you. If you're listening to us to step into my office, Melody Hobson, thank you so much for being who you are and for being an inspiration and for having the humility to stay incredibly grounded and talk to two young aspiring entrepreneurs when you really didn't have to, and we've never forgotten that. So for that, we salute you, Melody Hobson, our black girl boss. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Step Into My Office. Remember to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Use the hashtag step into my office to send feedback and questions. Shout out to Verse 2 for producing this podcast and for being the best in the business. Visit them at verse2media.com if you need a podcast or a video producer. See you next time.